Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Matt Davis. Matt helps people create a life that they want by rediscovering their power and releasing the handbrake on life. He supports their progress towards what is truly desired, which enables greater ease and alignment in the person they are. So welcome onto the show, Matt. Thanks so much, James. Great to be here. Great to be on your podcast today. It's my absolute pleasure. So so if we start there at the introduction, Matt, so so people Mm -hmm. got a little bit more context of uh, what I've just described. When you say progress towards what they truly desire, which enables greater ease and alignment in a person, can you give it in layman's terms so the the audience kind of get what you mean? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting actually, like hearing you read that out, I think it, it could probably be simplified a little bit into getting what I do is I, I help people get clearer about what it is that they truly want, which often can be, you know, pushed down beneath the layers of stuff that we're, you know, dealing with on a day to day basis and often don't give the time to. So, really, it's about clarifying actually what is it that's important to you? What is it that you truly want? Because I think if you ask a lot of people, you say, what do you want in life? Like A lot of people probably sit there thinking like, oh, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, so th- that is a big part of it, like clarifying what is it that you want. And then understanding that actually, you know, through the journey of life that we, we go through, we pick up stuff that becomes hindering to making the progress that we want. And ultimately, you know, with that understanding, some of those things can be feel like a bit of a handbrake that's been pulled up, if you like, or, um, you know, obstacles that we need to overcome. And I think that's that's integral to part of life. So I help people understand that actually, if we were to, you know, lower that handbrake a little bit and allow the wheels to roll a little faster, and it might, the things that you desire and think might be way out in the future, might not actually be as far out as you might think. So, um, yeah, hopefully that provides a little bit more context to the uh, the intro that you gave. Okay, and I think probably people would be curious: how long did it take you to be able to be have a crystal clear idea for yourself and your family? That is a great question, and I think it is an ever evolving um, process. I don't think you're ever done on it because I think when when we look at life, it's not a, a like a linear thing in the sense of I do this and then I'm done like it, it you know we're evolving we're growing uh, as a human race we're evolving we're growing um and I think for me if I was to identify a start point of where this began it was probably around the age of 17 18 years old and so for me at, at that age I started to realize that there were things that I wanted in my life that I wasn't currently experiencing so, yeah, if I was to kind of put a pin in the map or, or the timeline around that time was probably when I first started realizing that there was stuff out there that could help me um, create the future that I wanted or at least start taking the steps towards that. So, yeah, it was around that time, I think more in, in, in more of a kind of purposeful way in the last, um, I want to say, seven eight years like probably around 2014 2015 
I, I became much more aware of the kind of the, the self-development or self-growth expansion world. And for me, I think the entry point into actually, actually there's a whole, there's a whole industry evolve, evolved around people wanting more out of life and wanting to, you know, become the, the best version of themselves. And for me, that, that really kind of hooked me in. So do you believe before 17, you were acting in a, in a purposeful way then? No, in fact, I think I, I believe quite the opposite in the way that I was just being, I just was, I was being the person that I was being and I was living the life that I knew how to uh, live as best as I could. And I guess it was it was more that things came under my radar. I, I'll give you an ex, you know a very practical example. Someone recommended me the book um, "Rich Dad Poor Dad," and for me that was really an entry point to there's people who think drastically differently to me around finances. And this book was a, a key example of like I'd never heard this, some of this stuff. Like finances being a, a key area of our lives that you know, we don't necessarily get taught loads about in school. We might, you know, <laughs> maths equations as you're growing up and things like that. Like you get the basics, but, you know, how financial systems run, personal finance, like things like that. And so on reading that book, I think my realisation was that there's, there is a whole kind of plethora of information out there that we can, we can utilize to improve or tweak our lives by 1%, 2% to take us to the version that we want to be in the future. I've recently um, just been writing a blog post actually around, uh, it's almost like you put a vote, it's in a ballot box of your future self. And I think that's, yeah, that's almost what I started to realize at that point. Well, wait. It's it's good that you mentioned th- that book. Obviously, I was listening to to um, it titles of as a motivational podcast. I I wouldn't say it is because it's like sound bites, mm. but it was an analogy of using monopoly right. as a way to be able to be better with with in terms of uh, having a grasp on money. And yeah. everybody knows, and for the majority have played at one stage in in their life. Monopoly, um, obviously, it does escalate to 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 rouse and things like that because it it's it, it's very um, confrontational because obviously it's win at all costs to a certain extent. But the the message what the, the podcast talked about is everything revolves around four greenhouses one red hotel and it's that momental mental shift from a mindset perspective of there is an outcome to be had from it you want to be able to get as much property on that on that uh particular square as quickly as possible thus then then you can capitalize be able to get hotel and be able to make more um more of the the other players that you're playing against but from a mindset perspective where I see that as important is, is, is growth. It, it It's deeming it as, as simple as it is, it's an, and it's a board game. Uh, the person that I was talking on the episode, obviously, well, it's like, well, what am I learning from Monopoly? Well, when am I going to re- learn the real stuff about finances? But because what you mentioned about 
on your learning the basics, you're only ever taught to be able to be, to go into like a, a mechanism or, or a factory mm. scenario where you're going to be a workhorse for the rest of your life. And you're pretty much on this conveyor belt from when you leave school to when you reach retirement. And thus for 99% of the people on the planet, unhappy, mm. not content. And obviously going to resort to other things to, to find some of that joy and solace, which obviously comes second to none and, and comes second nature as a child of you. You don't think about the risks. You don't think of the consequences and you just live. But, and where I see this to be pointer is because of that a never ending slog, you kind of get into that mindset poor mindset that of, uh, of oh, I haven't got the time and you and I both obviously being in the coaching space we've heard probably every and I'll call them excuses but every rational reasoning as to why it's not pertinent to start now mm, stories is, is probably a poor man's kind of I'm not knocking anybody because they've become conditioned to a certain extent to, to, to believe that as there is certain other priorities they may have, be it, you know, their job, their family. Mm. So they're obviously going to be second fiddle. However, it has a knock-on effect elsewhere. Mm. Okay, I've probably realized that firsthand because I've been... Uh, put under the spotlight by yourself and, and and other peers to kind of go well. This aspect of if your if I use them the, the conversation that we, that we all had of my communication skills, people would be probably surprised when I'm saying this when I'm on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't the best. So my communication with mm. myself was poor. So every mm. aspect of of my life that's going to show up in the same way. So do do did I shy away from that? No, I t- I took it on I took it on the chin, um, probably to probably even your surprise and other people as as in be able to go, okay, I've taken criticism. It's the truth, truth mm-hmm. hurts. However, if I'm going to grow, I need to be able to take the criticism to kind of go, okay, my communication poor, uh, communication is poor. Uh, that's something that I can. It's it's it's, it's not a di- it's not a difficult thing to be able to improve mm. because ultimately what I want to be able to do is well okay and what if I can communicate better I can get to my point quicker I can help people faster and they get to their result or their oh, the word eludes me now their eureka moment i'm not it's not the word i was looking for but it will work a lot yeah. faster if i'm able to be able to decipher what they're saying and be able to give it back to them so i think that in itself is very um momentous and i think because we have this you brought up school this notion of oh, i don't i go to school because it's i have to 
Mm. Thus, you already have a negative experience of learning. So I think it's trying to look at it from a different perspective of if you're learning, you're actually, you're still evolving, you're still growing, but Mm. because of it um, being taught as, and this was from a psychologist uh, professor of because you don't want to do it and it's last minute, say the an exam, mm. I have to study for it if I want to pass. Thus, what I really subconsciously think is I hate it. You might, you mm. might, you might, I love the subject, but because you're having to do a task that you don't want to do, okay, for us, it, within our profession obviously we normally exercise uh why would i want to why would i go to the gym when i hate it okay thus you're never ever going to reap the rewards because you have a negative connection towards it whereas that professor said if you were to look at it as uh having a habit or habit stack as um atomic habits talks about james clear james clear yeah you turning on a light, it's now time to study. Thus, the two go hand in hand and then eventually it comes automatic. Uh, and if you were to do it near the time that you were learning it, when it comes to actually revising, it's reviewing. Mm. And for me, that blew my mind when I heard that. It's like, no wonder I hated revising when I was a kid because you're conditioned on the one hand to demonize the smart kids oh they're geeking out they're they're, they're learning all the time thus they don't have a a life outside of books but when it comes time to the to the the near the the actual go time they're probably the most conditioned to be able to succeed whereas for me it's like "Mm, i can't do that i'm gonna i'm gonna be the stereotypical person. I'm going to be like the movies of the clicks. I can't be in that group of people because they're unsocial, they're unsociable and they never fit in. However, probably you fast forward probably a couple of decades. Okay. You got Bill, 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 Bill Gates didn't finish high school, but Bill Gates, Elon Musk, um, Oh God, I can't think of his name, but Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Bezos, yeah. They probably all don't have very pers- very good uh, personal skills, but they're very good at what they do. And the point that I'm making is if we had this concept of just going over things routinely, and you and I say this all the time from a coaching perspective, little by little baby steps, that momentous goal that you had at the end a little bit more achievable as opposed to have a new year's resolution and I'm going to smash it for the the first four weeks and then obviously quit as Mm. so many do. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that, that, that thought of um, like momentum and how, how we make decisions about what we do, because I think that the way I see it is that, you know, throughout school, we're, you know, the process is we're, we're being graded on the achievement and the knowledge that you've attained. And there's actually a really good TED talk on this by a guy. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but the, 
this idea that actually what's being cultivated is it are we cultivating creativity around solving problems are we cultivating um you know the ability to see the potential in something or are we saying that well here's the correct answer we need that correct answer as opposed to what is the potential or what what are the options here what is the potential of this scenario and um it is interesting because a lot of the work that i do with people and you know this is totally on myself as well and like as i work through things it's like well you know every moment we have a decision to make every moment we have the ability to change the course of our future and potentially the future for generations to come in terms of the world they live in the relationships that are made and i think one of the things that i've come to realize in recent years is that this idea of potentiality like you can make a decision today in a moment that will change your future and you know, i mentioned earlier like sometimes we can put and i've done this plenty of times where you put out this idea of like i'd like to do this one day and we say one day i'll do that and it's a similar to i'll start monday crew you know in the fitness world or um you know in the new year the tw- you know when people come to you know back into december or november or whenever it is it might be new year's eve uh, and they think about right and next year i'm going to do this what we do in those moments is we push out these ideas of what we'd like to be like into the future and often what we're not doing is understanding what is it now that i need to do what is the decision now that i need to make to influence the future that i want to create not at this time when things are all sorted and and lovely and you know i've got my ducks in a row but actually what's the things in the moment now that i need to make a decision about so that actually the, the yeah I, you know i've got a I want to, I want to go on to do this in my life. It could be, you know, I want to be a professional golfer or I want to, um, I want to start up a charity that helps, you know, disadvantaged people in a certain country. Like it, it could be, you know, so many different things that people might have with inside them. That's really important and meaningful to them. And sometimes when we have those thoughts or desires, my experiences on a personal level and, you know, through chatting with other people is that, it's so easy to be like, but, and then list off all the reasons why we don't think we could do that. And then because of those reasons, we say, well, that's going to now be something in the future instead of something that I can deal with now or action now or work towards now or, you know, move 1% closer towards. And I think in, you know, to, to almost tie in the thread of what you were sharing just before it's like through school i don't think that is learned or at least my experience was not that at school and maybe there's others you know who'd agree with that that it, it, it's more of a these are the things we need to know to get by and i'm not discounting those i think they're you know crucial to being able to you know contextualize life and the, the things that we know on a day-to-day basis but i do think there's a uh, there's a missing piece of actually how can we solve these things in front of us and you know there are plenty of teachers and um you know facilitators who are particularly skilled at helping people discover you know whatever the topic it might be but i I do know from my experience being a very hands-on learner myself that you know that's not that's not always accounted for 
Um, and I'm not saying it's an easy job, but I think in a way, it, it, it part of what makes work that I think we both do, and you know, lots of other coaches and professionals who help people, you know, optimize life. Like you, you know, in the heading of your your podcast title, it's like how, how do we optimize and kind of in, improve things by that one percent? That's what makes our job so exciting in a way because we we get to help people move from a potential space of being uh, limited by experience, limited by the stories they tell themselves, limited by the experiences they've had that would suggest that they couldn't do this thing because, and move towards what if the future was different? What if you, you, you know, were to let go of that story that you, you have been holding on to and build a new story? And I find that really exciting personally being able to you know hold space for people to do that and ask questions that help them move towards that space of openness and expansion um, in the person that they are well, i think you would agree with this matt of people be able to rationalize why they can't do it now because of you know the invention of social media okay it's only been here for we'll say less than 20 years but people can kind of say, well, I can't do it now because of this portrayal of perfectionism on Instagram. Mm. And I can't remember where it came from the other day that I heard it of, okay, the only reason that that person, male or female, is portraying the, this illusion in this sense of, of, of the world being perfect is because they're seeking to have validation for that of the trying to okay facebook and instagram have tightened up on this that you're not going to get likes because of the implications you're going to have on mental well-being but mm. that person is seeking validation to make them feel validated in the world and to feel happy whereas behind the scenes their life could be shitty they just don't want to mm. portray that to to you of if you were to look at my social media the pictures are, are not um downright miserable but sometimes there's a vulnerability in the post and it would that there's no the synergy between the picture and the post might not be relatable but i could blow your mind with what i've just said but i'm not I'm not painting uh, a pretty picture. I'm not trying to make my world um, perfect. Uh, I think pretty much during the pandemic, I was doing it to a certain extent. Well, the opposite of what was out there of uh, pretty much negativity left, right and center. So I think somebody did ask me, well, why, why, why do you not port when things go wrong? Why add? Why 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 would I add gas, gas gasoline to a fire? It's pointless. It's, it's just going to make it worse. Uh, I might as well be. There's something to be learned from something bad because at the end of the day, it it, it it's useful as opposed to uh, playing the victim, being the victim. It's not useful. It's it's mm. unless you're trying to gain a foothold in the world because you in the real sense it's selfish 
because it's it's all about me. My my pain is greater than yours. That's not true. How many thousands of people are going through the same old deal at the at that particular moment as you? Mm. That's probably a wake up call to me sometimes. It's like, well, okay, you're moaning. So what? The world really doesn't care. So it's going to keep going. It's going to keep spinning. And it's going to keep going on, moving forward, regardless if you stand still or not. Or, or, or not. And I think where uh, you mentioned school of not teaching things, but I think especially the British system is, or I think it's instilled from probably pretty much the early age of like 11 years old of test, test, test. So you, you're comparing yourself against your peers, you're pe comparing yourself against previous years. No wonder people are miserable. Uh, there was one person on the news yesterday, he's got a GCSE at nine years old in maths mm. Mm. and he had bags black eyes under his eyes thinking yeah. that's nine years old oh wh wh where are you going to go from here okay it's good that he's very bright but now it's it's, it's, it's going to be a comparison going forward i thought okay, he got a gcse at nine well you mm. must have to be able to get I don't know, something ridiculous, like 12, 15 GSEs, where if you look at maybe the rest of the world where it's exams every single year and you're based on your ability to a certain extent of, I'm probably brighter than, than my grades that would portray it on paper, but I was okay with that. It didn't sit well with my family, but hey, I was okay with that. My my focus was I'm good at sport. I'm gonna put most of my eggs in that basket and see where it takes me. If I'm mediocre in school, and I say mediocre, I was probably mediocre in my school because it was very good. But and I have gone into uh, school settings and done presentations, and and the ones that have been flabbergasted by that comment are the teaching staff. The, the kids are loving it. It's like, oh, James is telling me I can be mediocre. I don't have to try out at school. They're loving it because like, well, I can, I can rest easy. I can relax. I can enjoy life because I think from a British perspective, it's all about exams. It's, 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 it's make, it's portrayed as make or break how well you do on GCSEs, which is ridiculous because ultimately mm. you can redo them uh, even if you were to get Bs or Cs. You could still yes. redo it and get a, a, yeah. a an A. So I think it's this fake reality that is created in terms of are you if you're if you're ever going to be a success in life, you need to get X amount of GCSEs. You need to do this well on this. You need to get A levels, and eventually, maybe you might have to go to university. Whereas, like, like well, that's not everybody else. Not everybody else cut out for academia. No, not everybody else, not. not not everybody likes school, and I don't even have to generalize that. That's 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 a fact. I didn't like school, and it it wasn't a sense of it wasn't all bad, but because of its nature of what are you really getting out of it it probably needs ripping up and starting again because 
or Gary V has said numerous times in terms of it doesn't work for an entrepreneur or a person because it doesn't teach them anything. So well, I would disagree to a certain extent, but he has a point because math doesn't teach you about anything in the real world, really. Um, that other the podcast I mentioned earlier about, and it's uh, Robert Kiyosaki that said it. Yeah. He talks about real teachers versus fake. I'm going to piss off a lot of people in the teaching profession now by saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Of the fake teachers, obviously the teachers that work in schools, because what they what he said was he asked his uh, math teacher uh, in calculus, "Will I ever use this in the in the real world?" Obviously, the answer is no. He went on to ask the teacher, do you use it in the real world? The answer is no. So why do you teach it? Because I get paid to do it. So that should obviously scare people in terms of what are we really doing in school when the teacher is teaching you a subject he doesn't really believe in or really actually practice himself. And you could obviously reference that to, to the fitness world to fitness industry of celebrities endorsing products that they would never use in their right mind but they promote it because they get paid mm. where a real teacher is obviously somebody that does it day in day out so everybody's heard the saying of do do as I say and not as I do. That's pretty much that sent that sentiment in, in a nutshell. Because why would you trust somebody ethically to learn from them when they won't do what they teach? Okay, mm. that's loosely uh, probably uh, an easy example because math is technically true. I worked in the in the teaching profession for a little bit as a teaching assistant, and. I had a pupil ask me the exact same question. Right. Why are we learning this stuff? And because I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, no, but I was a little bit savvier. It's like, yeah. yeah, I agree where you're coming from because for some things beyond basic arithmetic, algebra, geometry, unless you're going to prog progress through academia, never going to use it. Yeah. Uh, however, if you go into that scenario that you hate that subject, it's a problem. So be it if you can't do basic skills as some people can't do, can't can't read and write, can't do maths, when it comes to going out in the real world, gosh, no wonder that you you you're dependent on other people. But I've always obviously, even that in environment, I probably use coaching skills because I was still dabbling in my coaching a little bit so i kind of switched the, switch, switch the script and starting coaching people in that environment as opposed to teaching because it's like i can't tell you what to do because uh autonomously as a person you can disregard everything that i say if you really wanted to the only reason that you have to be there is because that's how the status quo revolves you 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 go you go to school you get a job, and obviously that's not how life is being predicated. It's a suggested, it's a su suggested course that people yeah. um, kind of follow. I actually really remember when I was um, 
Well, one in the kind of ages leading up to the GCSE um, exams, which is kind of around the age of 15, 16. And then also subsequent to that, the, um, you know, prior to university applications um, in, you know, around the 17, 18 year, well, was, I think it was the end of your first year of A-levels. Um, and I remember a lot of my friends, I would ask them, you know, oh, you know, are you applying for uni and all this kind of stuff? And uh they say, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, cool, is that something you want to do? And they're like, oh, I don't really know. And I'm not saying that people need to know what they're going to do. And I think there is actually massive power in just taking action despite knowing all the outcomes. One of my, um, my realisations was that I'm not willing to spend three years of my life doing something that I don't know what I want, that I want to do. for the like Because I wasn't clear. For me, I wasn't someone who went through the, the school system um, realising or knowing what I wanted to do when I came out. You're not alone in that, Matt, in terms of probably no. the majority of people think like that. I was probably lucky at, oh God, when I was in British swimming, probably about 15, 16, sports mm. kind of showed showed the light in terms yeah. of you can't, as much as you want to, have all your ducks in a row, have all your eggs in a basket, there is, okay, from a motivational perspective, they disagree with this. You can't have a plan B. Um, I was, I was a sport cat, was, was even though it was in development stages of my life, you must have a backup plan because who's to say you don't get injured tomorrow, you don't get dropped tomorrow? Because I know now, 20 years on, that is a business. They're probably more have the person's interests at heart now a little bit they didn't back then you're a commodity if you don't work out we'll bring in the next person and the next person mm. however where for me it was probably eye-openings okay do something that if i'm going to go to if i'm going to have a backup plan and uh, obviously education is going to be paramount from a learning perspective that um, I'm able to get a job at the end of this, I might as well do a good degree that I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to, sure. so I originally was looking down the lines of becoming a physio. I've lucky I've got a retired physio now, but one of my family members was a physio and mm. a quite a good one. She said, well, well, you're going to have to work harder than a doctor in the shorter space of time. That's uh, not for me then. Um, I'm not saying I'm lazy, but if I've got to work harder than a doctor in terms of from a learning perspective, and I've got three years less to do it, and I have another the career, that's pretty brutal. It's like, nah, it's not me. Um, it's either I'm all in in one thing, and I and, and and pretty much that's how things you need to concentrate on one thing and then progress to the next, mm. not do multiple things and then do them all fast. So that's why I went into sports science. Okay, now it's useful in the, yeah. the, the the job that I do now. However, in the bad times of 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 business, I've 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 regretted that decision sometimes in terms of well. Uh, if you'd have done a business degree, it'd have been prepared you a lot better for, for, for in terms of the, the theory aspect of, 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 of our day-to-day lives. Yeah. It's like, well, is that true? Whereas from the knowledge that I've gained in, in different areas of sports science, 
be it biomechanics, physiology, uh, and probably the one I probably use the most is probably psychology, is useful on every avenue of, of my working life. Of it, for of, sure. Of it, of it's excuse me, coaching calls, marketing, sales, market research. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, it, there's some some aspect of in simple terms or layman terms, behavioral change and getting people to think about their actions uh, from a thought perspective in terms of like limiting beliefs and, and things like that. But if it wasn't for somebody saying the contrary of you can't do something Obviously, you're going to disagree to it. So then it says, well, okay, I don't know. What if? That's a what if a negative in terms of where I'm going with this. Uh, and a lot of people will use it. But I didn't probably have a, a an idea or, or a thought of, well, 15, 16, maybe even when I applied to university, it's like, well, I'm really doing this because it's a what if. It's it's not a case of. Uh, it was probably one of those fad type of degrees when I mm. applied. Oh gosh, it's almost twenty years ago. But obviously, it's still sexy now in terms of what well, I, I I do my GCSEs, I do my A levels, or I do my high school diploma, and then I go off to college, university to do sports coaching sports science is like you do realize how many thousands of other people are doing the exact same thing it is very hyper competitive and obviously you and i know the market is saturated so what are you going to do to stand out so you're going to have to be very very uh, astute and you to a certain extent you need to probably find the why is if i don't know I need to find out why, what, what would I, what have I, what have I got a passion for at least in terms of what do you enjoy, what do you enjoy doing? What could you see yourself doing? Okay. You and I have these conversations from a different perspective, but in terms of what can you do it sustainably long-term? What are you, what, what, what are you going to do in spite of your motivation? Kind of being up and down. What, what what are you going to do? Okay, the, everybody doesn't have the luxury of doing a job that they enjoy, as my family keeps reminding me all the time. It's like it doesn't, you need to still put money on the table, uh, put a roof over your head. However, it, it would massively benefit if you enjoy at least that you the what you're doing as well. And if you're able to find, um, find out at least some inkling at least maybe if you're 50 percent sure of what you're doing it's better than nothing hmm. yeah out of interest james how, how um important do you think that you know we do something that we're passionate about in terms of work do you think that is crucial or do you think that's um actually not as important as maybe sometimes it's made out to be I'm probably both feet both I'm probably both feet in both camps. So that's probably not the answer that you wanted. It's sitting on the fence to some extent. Interesting, yeah. But but the reason why I say 
it, it it does help to be passionate by what you do because that's the driving force as to why you would show up. It's not all about you. So be it okay. Our coach, we're in coaching space. It could be you. Uh, uh, the other example was Russell Brunson and, and ClickFunnels. He's obviously got a new CEO in, in front of that company. And it, he had a conversation with uh, Tony Robbins about obviously sacking it off and going to do something else. So selling his company and yeah, and Tony Robbins, don't do that because ultimately uh, I've seen the video, him just talking about content creation and, 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 and doing the things from the ground up. He's got a smile from ear to ear. It makes it, it lights him up. So he's yeah, passionate so about. Bit, yeah, he's passionate mm. about oh, the automation of of of, of his. Bro, I, I hate click funnels, but that's only because I've had a bad experience. Mm. I know that it can work of because it's been very productive business. Obviously, Nikos um, Sakarakis, that you and I know well. He loves this. He loves that shit in terms of uh, he'd probably rather deal with automation than people. But that's 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 his kind of je ne sais quoi, je, je, um, joie de vivre to a certain extent. He, he gets buzzed by whatever the thing that's going to make life more easy. Mm-hmm. I say yeah. that again, makes life easier. Obviously, people want to find the whatever uh, buzz fads whatever sexy it's not it's, it's probably making things more complicated however where i'm going to kind of jump the fence and go the other side of that notion of my family said it doesn't matter if you enjoy it or not you've still got to you've still got to uh put food on the table you've still got to put a roof over your head it it, it is true but but that is is that something that they believe in it or is that a story that's been told to them over and over again of you must do this, this, this to, to it, it is, it is true from, from one perspective of that is true happiness of having a roof over your head, feeding and um, thirst. That's it. Those are the three basic needs of, basic of, needs of, for an, sure. individ, of an individual, but Obviously, I'm disagreeing myself as well. Mm. But that is for you as an individual to be able to comprehend that as what is the better choice for you? Coming back yeah, to your point about choice. Yeah. Not one of those ideas is right or wrong. It's a decision. Agreed. I could Agreed. probably be in one camp one day and be in the other camp the next. That's why having conversations like this, it, it gives you into perspective. Okay, I've not thought about that before. However, I've thrown a curveball because you didn't mm. get an, you've got an answer that you weren't expecting. I mean, to be honest, I was I was just interested to hear you out your 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 perspective on that because I I I think I did fall into the camp at one point of, of strongly believing that you know you got to do what you're passionate about and. In a, in a way, I am still 100% behind that. You do, I think doing what you're passionate about is really important, but doing doesn't necessarily have to relate to your work. And um, I think I've redefined a little bit about what I think about that in terms of your work doesn't have to be the thing that you are most passionate about. 
I think to be in a, a job that you really dislike and causes you stress and actually for your own mental well-being, your own, you know, needs to be met from a, you know, maybe a family perspective, if you've got kids, et cetera, like if it's creating stress in your life, then maybe there's a question mark there. But I think passion, like passion, if we're talking about passion for a moment, actually that can be found outside of the workplace. That can be found in many different arenas of life. And I, I guess one of the things that I'm, I've become more aware of over the you know past years is that there are so many different things that people have, you know, passion for or they're passionate about that, you know, you, you can speak to one person and they're passionate about, I was talking to my father-in-law the other day, he's got a friend who's got one of these 3D printers and he went over, he's got a little man cave <laughs> and he, he is a managing director of a, a huge um, business and he's he's kind of, you know, he's top of the ladder, if you like. Yet his weekend hobby is building, I think it was saying it's Star Wars, um, <laughs> Star Wars like armor, or that's his current project anyway, out of this 3D printer. Now, the way that my father-in-law relayed that to me was it, 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 I could just smell the, the passion that this guy had for it even though I'd, I'd not seen it or met him, you know, doing it. And I, it made me kind of just yeah, re- reflect on the fact that actually his passion, or, or maybe it's an outlet for him, you know, it's just an expressive way of being, was to do that thing. And I don't know if he's passionate about his job or not. I don't know the answer to that question. But what I do know is that his his passion that around this kind of you know current thing that he's doing in 3d printing like that was something that he was getting a huge amount of joy from and that wasn't necessarily anything to do with his work and that to me i think is fascinating because there is i I think there has been a message that's been shared over the course of maybe the last five to ten years around you know follow your dreams follow your passion and I, i i agree with that but not it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do that and kind of have your work tied into that as well. It's almost like if, if that's, if that's the message, you know, follow your dreams, follow your passion, and that's got to be intertwined with work, then you're actually limiting what that can look like. It's like, well, now I've got to find a job that I'm passionate about, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I don't know what jobs are out there that I should be, you know, that, that would fit into that mold of my passion. Whereas, I think having things that you are passionate about and you enjoy doing and you you kind of, you, you want to get out of bed for, that doesn't have to be work and vice versa. Um, and it can be both. And I think that's the good thing as well. Like it, it can be both. And for me right now in what I do, I am passionate about helping people and it excites me. Do you think Matt- but that's um, not always been the case. Do you think Matt, we need to expand upon that other because obviously you mentioned joy the other one is obviously missing happiness in that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's like pulling a, pulling the covers back on passion mm. to a certain extent and, and people going a little bit deeper? Because what, what, what you mentioned there in terms of that work-life balance is, is massive. Mm. Of, I'll use makers, it's, it's true. And you know that because you, you were there when we were talking about it. I obviously put everything into into my work because at that at that time of twenty one, everything was shut down and things like that. So the only other outlet I had was family. So it was pretty much mm-hmm. family, business, 
and it was putting a massive drain on me because of uh, other things that weren't going going particularly right. And why I think it's pointed that you mentioned in terms of you can't solely put a passion into your business because it might not bring you, well, at times it definitely won't always bring you happiness because there's obviously going to be some despair in mm. there uh, uh, and frustration uh, of things not going to plan. But you need to have other outlets in, in, your, in your life. So that's why it's pertinent to be healthy it's pertinent to do something that you enjoy so it's able to be you're able to at times I almost said deviate your focus but be able to have a focus on something else that's going to bring you um pleasure mm. uh, but i think people forget that but be it we've have to do well in the past we've had to do uh reviews with our co- with our coach in terms of it looks at oh, these seven areas of life i can't remember off mm. the top of my head yeah i mean you, you can do like a wheel of life type review where you kind of look at you know financial well-being or health and fitness uh, and relationships it gives, it gives social, you a clarity it uh, gives you a clarity yeah. in terms of where probably going forward you want to put more focus towards so be it i don't know your, your relationships might not be I, and I'm not saying boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband. Mm. I, I'm talking about relationships with other individuals might not be as up to to par as mm. where you would like. Okay, I want to focus more on that. I'm building better relationships, having more joy of being around those other people. So that's mm. that's an essence of passion because if you're wanting to do that, okay, coming back to the the being around five people that bring you bring you up obviously if it's it's non-toxic oh, i like to be around them the stuff that we talk about is it could be in a financial setting it could be uh in all sorts of areas okay if i haven't had those conversations i don't grow as an individual so it, it, it it's it's probably where I would probably go a little bit further than what you said in terms of like the passion, you need to kind of open it up and, and, and dissect it and kind of go, well, I said, pleasure, joy, happiness in terms of passion is just the root word in terms of, it could be like the impetus to get you going in terms of that's the, 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 um, where am I going to go with this? that's the luxury of the English language in terms of it. It's so, so dynamic. It's so flexible in terms of all you got to do is look in the dictionary or look in a thesaurus, a syllabus. And there's a plethora of words that you could probably use to make yourself uh, on the one hand, more, more educated. You could learn as well. Okay. This word means this. And I never, I never knew that the relatability towards it. So it's, it, it's it's coming back to, to to a certain extent like the opposite of what we're taught in school I, mm. I, I'm, I, I've got to learn because at the end of the day I'm going to be judged against my peers I'm going to be judged against the past I'm going to be judged against my family I'm going to be judged against myself. Whereas if you looked at it from a perspective of I'm learning, I'm making the best of what I'm doing. I'm getting a personal best all the time. So 
that's a great lesson I learned speaking to uh, um, an individual who spoke to me 20 years ago, so that it made him feel really old, of the, the wise words of sport, personal best, personal best. You're always mm-hmm. trying to be the best person that you can. And I think you, as a direct result of that, have more compassion towards yourself. It's not a competition. It's not a race. You're not comparing yourself to anybody else because all you're trying to do is better, doing better than you were. That's not too much to ask because to be better than, than you were yesterday, physiologically, you've already done it. You're here today. So if you were able to do, be able to do that in every aspect of your life, things are going to happen eventually. It's going to, it's, they don't say you reap the, you, you, you sow, what's the one, you know, you reap what you, you say, reap, you reap what you sow. Mm. It doesn't miraculously grow tomorrow. It takes, takes time. It's, there's going to be upheavals. There's going to be setbacks, but that's to test you. Yeah. It's just testing your yeah. resolve. Yeah, for sure. And there's a, there's a, um, you know, there's resilience and consistency that come into to play in terms of what you're just describing there. And there's actually this, this idea that, you know, when we want something to change in our life or, you know, if I'm working with someone and they're saying, you know, I'd like things to be different in this area of my life often what we'll describe or talk about is the result. Yeah. we'll talk about the outcome. Well, I want to do this. Or I'd, you know, a recent example of someone I've been working with, I don't want to feel like a fraud in social situations or like I shouldn't be there and kind of experience high anxiety. And, you know, that's the result that they want. But here's the thing. You, you cannot commit to getting a result. And I think there's, there's something to unpack on, on that because often we, we can define what it is that we want that's different from what we're experiencing now. We can say, I want things to change in this way. But when it comes to like rubber hitting the road and actually doing anything that's going to create a change, all you can commit to is the process. You cannot commit to the result. You can't say tomorrow I'm going to lose five pounds or you put a date on that. You can't even put a date on that. You can't say, commit. I'm committing in my diary that on the, you know, <laughs> Saturday, the 7th of April, I'm going to, you know, lose five pounds. What you can do is you can commit to saying, I'm going to commit to going for three walks this week and going to the the swimming pool on Saturday. Like you you could commit to that um, and you'll do, you know, with good intention, all of those things and make progress. And I I believe that where sometimes we can come unstuck with the things that we want to move towards Actually, when we break down the fact that we do want a change and we want this outcome, there's a process that we have to go through. And, you know, whether that's learning a new skill or learning some new information so that then we can act differently, whether that's taking a look inside and understanding well, what is it that is, is making me unhappy right now? You know, if we use the example of happiness and joy that you were describing, what is it that I'm experiencing right now that I want to be different? Well, I can't necessarily commit to a day that I'm going to be happy, but I can choose in moments to find the things that are good in my life and allow that to start to become my happiness in just being me. And um, one of the things that I, I love 
to see in in the work that I do is the switch from people externalizing their their happiness or their their joy and I'm, I'm not immune to this by the way just because just because I help people with it like I still experience this at, you know on a personal level but rather than externalizing our joy saying well when this happens then I will be or if this situation occurs well at that point it will change rather than externalizing it or kind of what I like to coin like futurizing it like pushing it out into the future what is it that now can be different what is it that we can choose to focus on now that um, will we'll switch our attention to the joy that's already existing in our life. Because what you what you focus on will grow. Um, you focus on watering a plant every day, and uh, you know giving it the light it needs and everything else. But that thing will grow. And I think that's the same within our lives. When we focus on the good stuff that's in our life, the things that do make us happy, oftentimes that's going to be where we can experience growth towards whatever it is that we're wanting obviously just use the example of happiness there um so yeah it's it i think it's a, a very interesting topic um you know passion joy happiness you know how do we build that into our lives and yeah, I, I certainly in my own journey of, of trying to you know learn more around what what it means not just for me but those around me you know as a as a people what is it that helps us move closer towards those experiences that we want like people want to feel happier like often within the world of maybe fitness coaching people say i want more confidence i want to feel happier it's like yeah like that that's a that is an internal job (laughs) it's not something that's going to come once you've got a body that's um you know in better shape you will through the process become more confident and happy but if i just implanted your brain into someone who is a different shape and size to you right now you're not necessarily going to feel what you want um there's other mechanisms at work there that i think play into those feelings that you know a lot of people describe that they want to experience so yeah it's a it i think there's a there's something kind of within what we've just been talking about that I feel needs to be redefined clearly and not just once, but again and again for us to kind of take a second pass over it, take a third pass over it and understand what does it mean for me? Like, you know, me personally asking myself that question, you personally asking yourself that question, what is it that I want? What is it that makes me happy? What is it that is going to improve my life in the way that I want it to be improved? And, and not just asking yourself that question once and, being like, okay, I've answered that question, but like taking that second pass, taking, you know, uh, that conversation to another person that you want to discuss it with another time so that you can go deeper in your own understanding of that. Because I think once, once we kind of accept that there's this work in progress all the time that's happening, it almost becomes, well, this is my experience. The more I allow the fact that things are imperfect and not all together and a journey and we're we're learning and growing all the time the less pressure there is to perform the kind of the the instagram photo (laughs) example that you used earlier like we don't have to present the perfect world all the time because it's it's really not and uh, you know my journey has been that in my head i've wanted things to be like that but the reality is they are what they are 
and if we can move to a place of acceptance of you know things being the way they are and also acknowledging that we have a a huge potential in the power that we hold to change things um it becomes a i think it becomes quite an exciting game I think you, you, you've you've brought um, a different take on that because I'd agree because if I remember rightly, Thomas Habits talks about that at the very beginning in terms of what brings you happiness and it can't be external. So mm. that's a question you, you, you've got to go back and back and look at in terms of, well, if I can't use external thing to, to gain uh, satisfaction in a sense, I need to do, I need to obviously do some soul searching to kind of go well, what's what 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 is driving me to be content. Mm. Yes, yeah, big question. It's a really good question, and I don't think really you ever probably be able to it it would ever evolve because you're gonna go well. Okay, it's not that. Yeah, I thought it was. Let's keep going, but but obviously that's that's progress when you see even in a negative as well. Okay, it wasn't what I thought it was that's okay what could it be but that being said Matt obviously we, we come into to the end of, the, of this episode I think coming into land there's uh definitely course uh for part two and I think obviously the, the people listening will probably agree so that being said um this is the question that I ask every guest I'm going to ask it slightly differently for you is if you got to sit down with any coach that are alive for that matter, who would that be and why? I could sit down with any coach, dead or alive, who would that be? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to pull a an answer from a book that I've recently um, read. His name is Steve Hardison. He's a um, an American guy. And the reason I say that is because he talks a lot about being and being in the you know the the moment and the present and I think when I when I cast back my memory to the times that are most joyful or most profound in my own life there's I can always tie that to the sense of being like being present being in the moment and you know that's why conversations like this are great because you you've, you kind of you're pulled into this moment right now this moment that we're sharing and a lot of the work he does is a, from what i can understand is that it's about you know pulling into the moments that you have um powerful decisions uh enjoyment love you know whatever it is and uh for me i think that would be my number one uh, go-to so yeah that's my answer <laughs> And our final question before we we sign out: If you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Understanding yourself to live a better life is worth understanding. So, Matt, once again, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. It's been a pleasure. I'm really glad to have uh, yeah, shared this time with you and uh, wish all the best to you and your listeners uh, moving forward. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. 
come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.